There is an awakening that occurs when you find where you belong. We are the army rising up, the wild ones, outspoken for the sake of the one who spoke life into us. We are the spark that ignites a flame, called and therefore qualified, empowered to create atmospheres. So breathe in. Is there still an American youth who can arise and turn the tide of history in America? To raise up an answer to the rebellion, we need another kind of a revolution. Now it's our time. We are the face of a generation ready to rise up. We're strong, the tip of the iceberg, standing on the shoulders of those that pave the way. We are the ones who change the world. We are revolution. I want to start off by telling you a story about something that happened to me in college. Um, so I went to college with a pretty good friend, and we weren't like super close, but we were in the same club together, and um, we just, you know, had a pretty good relationship. So anyway, out of nowhere, I felt like this girl was kind of distant, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, that's cool. I don't know. Maybe she's going through something. I don't know. I never even bothered to ask her if anything was happening. But if I'm being honest, I kind of took it a little bit personal after a while. After I would see her, it was like she was like, hey, like it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing that, you know, the same friendship we had that I felt that we had. And so, anywho, time goes on, and I was kind of in my head about it. Like, I wonder why she hasn't come around. Um, and I don't know. I just felt like, okay, fine. Like, I'll leave you alone. And I don't know if you've ever kind of overthought things, but I think that's what I was doing, like, overthinking our relationship. It was just weird. So I never, again, I never talked to her about it. I never kind of, because we weren't super close. We weren't best friends. We weren't, like, super tight. Um, so I felt awkward to kind of bring it up. So anyway, um, I was living my best life in college. And, you know, I mean, I had other friends, and it was great. And one day, my boyfriend, which is my husband now, Brandon, uh, we decided to go to IHOP on campus. It's not there anymore. But we decided to go to IHOP on campus because his little brother came in to town from high school to kind of, like, check out the school and stuff like that. So we go out to eat, and lo and behold, the waitress was the friend that I'm not super close with anymore. So I'm like, oh, hey, girl, like, hey, you know, trying to act like nothing was going on and she's like oh hey and kind of just went and did her job so I'm like okay like that was shady whatever um you clearly didn't say hi to me the way I wanted you to so that's cool so anyway we're sitting there eating and you know we're talking, and I don't know. I just was like, what in the world is going on? Like, this is so weird. And so 
I took offense to it. I took it personal. I mean, the girl probably could have had something going on in her life, and I didn't care because it was just about me at that moment. And so I look at Jeremy, Brandon's brother, and I'm like, man, that girl is so irritating. She's so annoying and lame. And so um, he was like, okay. And, and then, you know, after a while, I'm like, gosh, that was, she's just really annoying. Like, I'm super external processor, so I'm talking out loud, like my head out loud. And so he's like, who are you talking about? And so I look at Jeremy, and I'm like, I'm talking about, and I said the girl's name, you know, our server or whatever. And I feel my husband nudge me, like, super hard. He had already done it once, like, be quiet. Um, but he did it super hard this time. And he's like, Sharon, she just heard you. And I was like, nah, like, <laughs> you know, like, now my, I'm busting out in a sweat. And I'm like, no, she didn't, like, no, she didn't. And he's like, yes, she did. When you turned and looked at Jeremy, she was right here, and she heard your name and walked away. And so I'm like, oh, my God, I'm cringing right now. Like, I know he's not lying because I just know he wasn't. And so, like, I'm sweating bullets, like, feeling super salty. And my brother was like, my brother-in-law was like, Glad that wasn't me. <laughs> like, I'm just happy it wasn't me because you look dumb, basically. So anyway, <laughs> as we continue um, finishing up, I'm like, gosh, like, what did I just do? This is so stupid. And so basically, I w we just left, and it kind of just was that, you know? And... What happened was at that moment was that I had the weed of condemnation in my heart. Like I had already started judging this girl, perceiving her a certain way, um, and making her, you know, making this picture in my head way before. And what happens is, is that when you have that judgment, when you have that condemnation in your heart, it ruins relationships, and it makes us see, see people less valuable than we're supposed to. And it causes us to unfairly judge other people's actions and motives, and that makes for a really shallow and dysfunctional friendship group. It's not real. You know, you're just uncomfortable all the time. So before I continue with my preach on condemnation and judgment, I just want to quickly make a quick prayer about this, and I'll just continue after that. So God, I thank you that um, you have called everybody here today for a reason, Lord. And I thank you that in the midst of what you're going to speak through me, God, I, I, I ask that um, you just bring a change and that forgiveness is here for all of us, and we just have to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not sure if you've ever been in a position like I was in, but I was super ashamed. Um, the seed of judgment started in my heart again way before I was gossiping. And I just really aired out the condition of my heart. And I know that all of us in here can relate to that. 
because we often judge and condemn people around us, even in front of others, on a constant basis without you even knowing it. It's probably maybe at your school, at home, on your sports team, and even here at church. And do you want to know how I know this? Because literally, I've heard you do it. Unconsciously, you have said here at youth group, like, oh, this person's weird, ugly. You kind of make fun of each other as jokes. And it kind of is not a joke. (laughs) And um, you'll say things like, he's so loud and annoying or whatever the case may be. But not only that, the problem is, is that our culture has not set us up for success on how to have these meaningful relationships and not be judgmental people. And that's because at the root of our fingertips is social media, is Instagram, is Snapchat, is Musical.ly, it's your game called Fortnite. I don't know, it's your video games, whatever. We are so quick to judge and it's so easy. We become trolls behind our screen. And it's so easy to play our video game and be like, dude, you suck. You're a loser. I'm going to beat you. Or it's easy to take a picture of somebody while they're doing something stupid. It's an unflattering picture of them. And then send it to our friends, you know, put uh, a filter through it. Um, and make them look even more dumb. So because it's so easy to do this, and it's in one second, there's not really the consequence that I had when I said it in front of the girl, right? It's much easier nowadays to judge, and you don't have to feel it. You're like, whatever. Because of that reason, our culture has become super judgmental and condemning. Um, So as I begin to talk to you today, I really want you to dig deep in your heart and realize that there are moments unconsciously that we don't mean to do that are super judgmental and hurtful. And so I want to go to the first text, and that is John 8, 1 through 11. And I'm going to start reading it. And it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But earlier the next morning, he went back again to the temple. A crowd soon, get, a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says you should stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. 
Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I go and sin no more. So here what is happening is that Jesus is with a woman who was caught in adultery. If you don't know what adultery means, it means she was doing something sexually that was not in her marriage, basically. So for a moment, just think about how intense that is. Like she got caught up doing something that was kind of bad. So um, then the Pharisees come, basically call her out, shame her, and take her to Jesus because they want a result. They, they like feeling like, okay, somebody else is in trouble. Um, let's see what's going to happen. So then Jesus says, well, if you've never done any type of sin, then go ahead. You can throw the first stone. You can do whatever you want with her. Naturally, that person does not exist except for Jesus. And so they couldn't do anything, and, so, and they left. The interesting thing about this passage is that I've read it so many times, and I've often, and many of us here, all could put ourselves in the place of the woman who was caught in adultery, right? And we look at Jesus, and we're like, wow, God, like, thank you. You forgive me for all my darkness. And that's so true. He's so gracious and loving and forgiving, and it's awesome, But for a moment, I want you to put yourself in the place of the Pharisee. Because how many times have we caught somebody in their mistakes and quickly busted them out in front of everybody and looked to them in a shameful type of way and embarrassed and humiliated them, made fun of them, laughed, whatever you want to call it. Whether to their face or not, We've done it publicly in front of our peers because of our own insecurities. And the problem is, is that in our society, we don't want to deal with our own personal ugliness. We don't want to deal with our personal insecurities because it's much harder. It's easier to point out a flaw in your friend. It's easier to point out something else that your friend does wrong and not within yourself first. So the worst part of this is that misery loves company. And if you notice, the Pharisees didn't come one by one. They came in a crew, in a posse. They came together, right, in like a little mini crowd. And oftentimes, our friendships are a tale of how we feel about ourselves. If you are gossiping with other people and nobody is holding you accountable, you can kind of be like a Pharisee because they're all together and they come in and condemn somebody and judge them. And honestly, that is a very toxic and dysfunctional friendship group. But imagine if we got a grip on not judging others and how that would look like. God intended us to use judgment in a positive way. So in the positive way, um, it's like, okay, I'm going to judge whether I should join the basketball team or if I should join the drama club that I've been trying to, 
I've been trying to pursue acting. Which one should I do? That is what the spirit of judging that God has given us as a gift is intended to, to be, is for that, is to make better decisions for our life, the best decision. But because um, of the effects of the bad judgment, it becomes really costly, okay? It prevents us from seeing people the way that Jesus wants us to see them, and we lose real intimate relationship with people and end up losing on friendships that could benefit us and vice versa, that we could benefit to them. So I want to close off by telling you another embarrassing story. And ironically, this happened this week, the day before yesterday. I had already started writing my preach about judgment a couple weeks ago. So I'm, I'm like really aware of like, okay, am I doing this in my personal life or not? So anyway, I was in a flustered moment. My daughter is about to turn two, and I feel like she's just does whatever she wants and screams whenever she feels like it. And anyway, she had been kind of fussy and screaming and crying, and I was flustered. I have to make her food. Brandon has to do this, has to do that. And, like, we're just running around our house crazy. So my mom calls me, like, three times, and she never calls me that many times. She's not, like super on me about things, but I knew why she was calling me, and that's because she's throwing me a baby shower in November back home, so she needs information. So I'm like, oh, well, I better, you know, answer the phone because, like, this is the third time, and I'm in the middle of stuff, and I need to get another thing done. So anywho, my mom, we're, on, we're talking on the phone, and she kind of got an attitude for a second. And so immediately, because I felt judged and condemned, I snapped and said something super hurtful, zero to 100, like awful. And it was to the point where she was like, all right, Sharon, I'm going to let you go. You're hormonal and pregnant. Like, I get it. I got to go. So anyway, she calls me back later, and she's crying. And because of what I said was not good at all. I mean, it was really bad. But at that moment, like, I was like, wow, I have been doing that to my mom since I was in junior high and high school. Like, I am always quick for some reason to my mom or dad. I am so quick to, to say something, and it comes out super furious and ferocious the condemnation that I put on the people that, I, that love me the most, that love me the most, is, is just scary. So I always wanted, the funny part about that is that I always wanted my mom to show me grace and to not judge me. But I didn't realize until the day before yesterday how I had always done that to her. So I want us to um, quickly look at Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and I'm going to really read it really quick because the problem is, is that when we do stuff like this, it has a consequence. And so it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. 
The standard you use in judging is standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the past, the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So how powerful is this truth from Jesus? When I used to read this passage, I used to think of the log in my eye as being a sin. Like, oh, I'm such a dirty sinner. Like, I can't judge somebody else. But in actuality, I know that the log in the eye that Jesus is talking about is condemnation. When we look at our friends and family through the lenses of condemnation and judgment, we're no help to them. See, because I was condemning myself with my mom, like I was being hard on myself before she called, I began to easily condemn her and judge her. But the good news is, is that Jesus took our condemnation so we don't have to condemn and judge others ourselves because he took that from us. Now we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us not judge those around us. And this weed of condemnation must be uprooted if we want to have that kind of relationship that Jesus wants us to have. So let's stop judging ourselves and let's start judging others because it's unhelpful and it just creates a dysfunctional friendship in our life, relationship with other people. Um, so I just want to end it with a prayer and we're going to go into discussion. So Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you that um, you are here to give grace and um, to make a change. And God, I thank you for everything that you have in this journey for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are the ones who change the world. We are revolution.